What questions do we have? All right, Q and A. Get a get a couple of these knocked out before I pass out over here. <laughs> All right, uh, how to make progress around injuries? So I wrote down a couple of things yeah. that I wanted to touch on. Um, the first one, the easiest one that comes to mind is just lateralization. Um, for example, someone hurts their hip. Mm-hmm. All right, well, what can you do that doesn't bother your hip yeah. that allows you to continue maintaining as much strength as possible for the squat? Yeah. That's where, you know, you try different machines, you try different movements. What is it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, kind of, kind of by the book, his first thing is, depending what it is, mm-hmm. is you might have to cut the load down. You might have to cut the range down. Mm-hmm. You but you know, what whatever. You try to find what's the intensity you can work at, what's the the frequency you can work at, you know, all those things obviously. Right. But then what's your range of motion? You know, mm-hmm. through there. Like where does the pain start if there is pain? You know, things like that. So um the first steps in kind of working around the injury is to find like what bothers it, what's hurt, like what Right. Um, and what can I do? Cause you can always do something. I, I can't stand, you know, we're not going to go too far off on this rant, but like, you'll, you'll see this and people were like, um, Oh, can't go to the gym because I hurt my foot. Are you completely incapacitated or, you know what I mean? Like, like you I understand green. You can't I, move. Yeah. Or? I understand like maybe not as many days, um, because you can't just like do the same shit. You mm-hmm. know, I get it. Um, but I remember crutching my ass around when I tore my ACL, you know, um, or the time I, you know, screwed up my ankle, like crutching around and doing what I could with upper body, you know, Mm -hmm. working the other leg, you know, doing what I could therapeutic wise with, with that ACL torn, you know, but, um, I never was just like, Oh, well, can't go to the gym at all. Right. So, yeah, it's just, and, and there's so many different things too. Cause like it might be something, I don't want to say as simple, but like you might be using tens unit or some form of that, mm-hmm. you know, to get muscle activation and to get things moving a little bit. So that was the next thing I wrote yeah. down is just modifications. So th- yeah. this happens all the time. Um, you have a new lifter who comes in, mm-hmm. they've never really done something like this before. They get really enthusiastic. And after like three to six months, you start seeing things pop up Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, I I might have had a light strain in my groin or my shoulders really bothering me. Wrists are bothering me because they're getting uh, more weight on bench and just their wrists aren't accustomed to it. So then, like you said, you modify. It's like, okay, how much of the movement can you do? Could we switch from a barbell to dumbbell press Mm -hmm. instead? Um, For the squat, can we take it just to a box squat so you don't hit depth? Yeah. but we can maintain strength that modification. What I like to do is say that you want to have scheduled assessments to reevaluate it's like every week you're just, we're going to figure out, first of all, what is your like entry to exercise mm-hmm. the, like the threshold to it. So they can't do their normal weight for a squat. We figure, can you do a barbell? Well, yeah, it doesn't hurt. Great. Let's start there. Yeah. Then once a week, like you're just going to check that week one barbell week two, you're like, Oh, I can put 95 on great. Awesome. That's where we are with it. Yeah. Week three, like you're constantly evaluating what that is. And I'm being really general yeah. with numbers, but the modification should always have like a set 
time frame that you're coming back to check things so that you know how much better it's getting. Yeah. But the last part that I really like, and this is what I've been doing, and I'm trying to push it with the weightlifters and Dan's crew, is the tissue loading schedule, which is because mentally for an athlete, it's really hard to just say, we're going to like move away from the movement and we're going to modify it. And they're like, when can I just get back to doing it? Yeah. It's like, you can get back to doing it. We just got to figure out based on like you're saying the level of injury and how intense it is, how much can that tissue actually handle Mm -hmm. and helping them to understand like for the first 10 days, you're probably at like 50% or less depending on how severe it is. Once you get into the week two, then we can basically keep moving it up about five, 10% because that's the rate of healing. And you're still doing the lateralization. If you have to, you're still doing modifications to it. So you get to maintain strength. You're helping to maintain movement, but mentally it, it feels so much better because I've done it for myself as well, where you get to watch the schedule and say, yes, I get to do up to theoretically 70% yeah. this week because I've waited, say, you know, three or four weeks mm-hmm. to get to this point. Like you start to get excited for it in the way that you get excited for uh, like PR test day. Yeah. Like I get to do that one yeah. rep coming up in four weeks. I want to be ready for it. Mentally, it's really helpful from the practitioner standpoint. Do you have any idea how frustrating it is when someone's injured and like two weeks after the injury, they're like, well, I felt really good, so I maxed out. Yeah. And just be like, Oh my God. Yeah. Well, how does it feel? Well, it hurts again. Like no shit. Yeah. Yep. Like I've, I've people <laughs> I'll do that. Like in pro in programming, this hurts. This feels like shit, you know, whatever. Okay. Well, we'll have to back down. Let's back down the weight. Let's modify the movement, whatever. And they won't want to do it. And it's like, this is what, like, this is how you avoid major injury. Right. You have to do it. If you don't do it, then you could, really fucking hurt yourself and be done. Like I always, I'll tell people like, would you rather have two, three weeks of inconvenience or would you rather have a six month injury? You right. Know, where you, the weight you're lifting now, you'll be back to those in six months. Cause that's what the cost, if you fuck up mm-hmm. and you tear something or, you know, whatever, those same weights you're hitting in off season, it, it might take four or five, six months to get back to those weights. Right. Because that's how long the repair process is going to take. So so that one, there's another question that says, if my hip is feeling better, can I reduce the number of hip prehab days? And it goes well with that one right there because like you were saying, you might have a day where your whole training is just therapy, yeah. right? It doesn't stay that way. Hmm. It's therapy because that's all you can do. Yeah. So if you're feeling better with an injury, yeah, the prehab comes down because then you're replacing prehab with just the regular training or something closer to the regular training. And it just depends on where you are with the injury and you know how much you need to modify the training to have it replaced with prehab. Yeah. But answer, yes. All right. What are your thoughts on toe spreaders and rock mats? Like you're talking uh, toe spreaders is in like for mobility and for like foot function. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I just use my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> the toe spreader, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I try to do them like three times a week, mm-hmm. uh, four times a week. Um, if you, here's the thing. If you do them for a while and then you stop doing them, 
you'll notice a difference. Oh yeah. Like you'll feel different and your squat will feel different and your, um, just your foot in general, like you, you'll feel how binded up it gets again, how mm-hmm. closed off everything gets again. Lack um, of feedback you get from your feet. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, we like at home, like I try to spend as much time as I can out of shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times even out of socks. So even though I'm, I'm weird, ever since I was little, I've always like, used to always have to have socks on. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I do try to do those uh, every night that I can. Like, like I said, it ends up turning into like three or four times a week. But, uh, if you, when you first do it, you got to have, you have to be careful too, because you can actually like strain shit in your foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like it wouldn't happen because it's such an easy thing to yeah. do and like low intensity. Yeah. But you're talking about really small muscles. You're mm-hmm. talking something that you probably have never done before too. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, but yeah. Uh, <sighs> and the rock mats, uh, I think talking about like essentially something for, arch and bottom of your feet like massage yeah and helping with the sensitivity there i think it's great i don't think that people really do enough for their feet in general it often gets Mm -hmm. neglected i don't think people really do enough for themselves for the most part anyway but especially the feet anything you can do a lot of times like that um you know when you're people take like a lacrosse ball or a Mm -hmm. small you know something to kind of get in there but like running just from your big toe back you know that line it's like you will feel a dramatic difference. And again, you have to be careful when you first start doing this because mm-hmm. it's a sensitive area. But you'll feel a big difference in your drive off the ground for like deadlifts and stuff. Your ability to actually put force, you know, and put that big toe down. Mm-hmm. Um, it it changes things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know, uh, do you follow the, I think it's like gate happens yeah. or something? Yeah. They, they've, I have a couple posts saved from them of like different drills to do for mm-hmm. people whose feet roll in or, you know, yep. whatever, or like, you know, that issue where like the big toe raises too much and things like that, or they can't get good pressure into the floor, uh, with the big toe. Who was it? There was a lifter that came in at one point. She was having issues like into her like mid back and like, we just like followed the chain going down, going down. And it was like. It, honestly, it was an issue in part with the big toe mm-hmm. on the one foot where like the foot wasn't activating at all. So it wasn't yeah. getting feedback that things were happening. Like, so the ankle would collapse, the knee came in, it caused this whole compression system yeah. going through it. But it was, I mean, it was kind of humorous because you're just like following where's the tension. Then you're watching her go through the squat videos mm-hmm. and like, did, and she was here on the table. I was like, yeah, that's your foot. Yeah. You give some things for exercise around that, help out the ankle, and like lo and behold, things really start clearing yeah, up. I want to say, I want to say it, was, it might have been summer. I think so. I remember she, her, like she used to always roll. Now it's gotten a lot better. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. What are the best ways to counteract tightness from lifting? So ask someone who has quite a bit of tightness from <laughs> yeah. lifting. Uh, do your mobility. <laughs> um, I think the best thing, you know, for me at least, is to kind of keep moving. Do you notice to, an improvement with static stretching? A little. You know, okay. I mean, it's not a ton, but I can definitely tell if like I've been doing couch stretch or not, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Um, hamstrings, you know, I'll get a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not like a dramatic difference. More like maintenance. Know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, if I just want to kind of, if I kind of want to like maintain what I have now, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. But like, even when I was doing, you know, Olympic lifting, I tell people this all the time, like even when I was doing a fuck ton of mobility, I feel like I was stretching all the time. It wasn't that much better than it is right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like obviously I wasn't as big as I am now, like to have as much pec and shoulder development. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I've always like had decent tightness through there. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as it is now, but that's also because I don't do half those movements that I used to either. Right. So when I was thinking about this one, so helping out with the definition of tightness, you could have the localized tightness. So let's say you just did a whole bunch of RDLs one or two days later, like your back and your hamstrings feel tight. Yeah. Cause they're the area they got work. They have inflammation that's going on. There's muscle damage in there. You've irritated the tendons on purpose. And until the body is able to clear the inflammation and heal those tissues. Yeah. They're going to feel quote unquote tighter in the sense that they don't want to be stretched. So in that case, yeah, if you were to do some passive static stretching, you might get relief, but you're not going to return the full range of motion compare that to systemic or like nervous system fatigue Mm -hmm. towards the end of peak. Like everything feels tight. Yeah. Because that's the body's response in that state. When you have mm-hmm. neural fatigue, it doesn't matter if you benched or not. Like your upper body is going to feel tight because things just aren't going to move well. Yeah. They're not coordinated or integrated well. Yeah. So if you're able to look at those two things, that changes it. What's the best thing to help out with nervous system fatigue for tightness? Honestly, active recovery and sleep. Like yeah. you want to recover from that so that the nervous system comes back and all of a sudden it's mm-hmm. like, holy shit, I can move. Yeah. If it's local, things that are going to help to speed up the recovery. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when people think about fixing tightness, they think about fixing it like right then. Yeah. Like I'm going to stretch a little bit. And all of a sudden my hamstrings are going to be back to normal. No, Mm-mm. they're going to be back to normal sooner, but no. not immediately. Yeah. Like you have to go through that process. But if you're someone who's just naturally tight, like that's different. Like you mm-hmm. can have electrolyte imbalances or like magnesium deficiencies mm-hmm. are cause that one. Yeah, it's it's a pain in the ass, basically. <laughs> Keep up on it. Yeah, there's a another place, uh, another account I follow, flexibility research, mm. where they talk about ways to improve flexibility. Yeah. For a small portion of the population, and this is why I asked you, static stretching doesn't do shit. No. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Mm. Or for certain populations like powerlifters, static stretching basically just balances out the effect of lifting mm. like just the overall tightness that happens from that like yeah. you're going to have naturally overdeveloped areas yeah when it's overdeveloped it gets tighter mm. if you stretch it it counterbalances a little bit but it doesn't necessarily get more flexible yeah in those cases then you start looking at other things to help out as far as maybe it's pnf mm. maybe it's um doing like eccentric at a certain point like slow eccentrics going into it because you can get like a big range of motion and stretch those out but as soon as you do things like that then you got to be careful on where you're putting it in the program yeah. not messing things up so those are effective but the effectiveness of it means better specificity on timing some from the gym asks like what are habits you wish you saw more of from athletes in the gym <sighs> fuck do we have time for another podcast for that one I mean, hip stop and we'll <laughs> record another um I think the biggest thing, uh, okay, so this, this isn't to offend too many people, but like this area in general has a terrible culture when it comes to fitness and uh, sport of any sort of fitness. 
we used to have a pretty strong culture, but now it's, it's getting a lot weaker in mindset and, and ability. Mm-hmm. Um, that stems from uh, a lot of athletes that we see pass through here. They're doing it for the wrong reason. One. Okay. Um, but mostly it's because uh, they don't ask questions. They don't listen. They don't, for example, the other day um, I gave a pretty clear and distinctive cue to somebody and uh, he had kind of like a, a rebuttal to it and was like, well, what about this, this? And I told him like, well, yeah, but you're not even doing that right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and what he was doing was spewing something that he saw online versus what's actually right. So it, it kind of almost depends like who you're following, who you're looking up to, who you're, you know, engaging with yeah. to know like, and a lot of times that information isn't accurate. You know, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I think that the biggest thing that I see like is that there's no communication. There's no want to like learn. Like, I'm not saying you need to like walk up and like bug people with questions every two seconds, but like Greg Panora posted this. I think it was Greg Panora. I have someone else, but they, they were, or no, it was a guy from, that was sponsored by animal. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but he talked about like when he was younger and he's, you know, he's like around our age, but and this is true when he was younger, like, and he was a bodybuilder, obviously like he went into the gym and he's like, I looked and respected the biggest motherfuckers in the gym. Like, and whatever they were doing, I was watching, I was learning. I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out what, what the meaning of what they were doing, you yeah. know, studied it. And I asked questions, respectfully asked questions to soak up knowledge from the guys that were just so much better than me. Yeah. That's a big problem in here. And that's a big problem in the culture in general is and especially among the younger guys in here. What these guys don't understand is our females are as strong as you guys like, and that's yes. not, and that's not like, I'm not trying to gender everything up, but like by and large, and this is going to get posted because I've wanted to post it for a while. Mm-hmm. Our females traditionally do better than the males in this gym. And there's one fucking reason why, because they're coached. And not just coached by males or, you know, they're coached by females too. So let's yeah. not get into the gender bullshit, but by and large, our females are usually higher ranked than the males and just overall they're stronger in general based on coefficients because they get coached. I would love to see a ratio. I mean, it's bad. Yeah, it is. I've always kind of made fun of some of the guys like, Hey, you guys better step it up. Like, you know, but if you look at why, they're all coached mm-hmm. and the females that aren't coached don't do as well as the females that are coached. That whole board is coached by us. There's no one on that board, that female board that has just walked in here and lifted more than our girls. And they never will. It will never happen. There's some outlier guys on the board that aren't coached by us, but those are pretty extreme outliers. You know, I'm not going to lie there. I mean, they were, dudes that were already pretty fucking strong and they just happened to pass through the gym and, mm-hmm. you know, they hit some totals. But, you know, I watch these guys and I watch, you know, and some of my followers, so I get to see their videos and I'll watch, um, or I watch them train. I'm just like, man, that's wrong. That's not good technique. Well, that's <laughs> not, what are you even doing today? You know, and the thing is, is that like, you know, people be like, oh, why don't you help them? I have, I've said stuff to multiple people, mm-hmm. you know, it's the lack of wanting to get better. 
they're content. It's the same reason none of these guys, half these guys don't even compete. They just do the lifts in the gym because they're scared to go to a meet and they're going to get their ass kicked. Yes. But that's not the point. You should be trying to better yourself. Right. Is it a lack of wanting to get better or do they not know what better is or better could probably be? both from talking to some of the people that you have coached when they come to yeah. me and they get worked on. The thing that I hear consistently is they are shocked at how much progress they're making. No, not because they thought that someday they would make that progress and it's happening faster, but they didn't know that progress like that could happen. Yeah. They never anticipated that they would move numbers like that or be that strong. And that's the thing. You don't know until you actually like learn and and go through the process, you know, but start finding like, okay, what are the elites doing? Like, Mm -hmm. why, why are they so different? It's not all, we don't have superior genetics over you guys. It's, it's our, it's what we've done for years and our work ethic towards it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you look at the, the elite level people in this gym, watch the way they train compared to everyone else. Watch their lifestyle, watch the way they monitor food and like this and that. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't a thing of like, like I said, it's not a thing of genetics. It's not a thing of like, they're just out. None of us are outliers, actually. Yeah. Not one of us in here is some outlier. We've just put in a lot of fucking work. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like On about the details. it. There's, there's no one in here right now that is just a genetic, you're a freak outlier and holy shit. Like, you're just, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, there's some people wasting their genetics and their talent. That's for sure. I can think of a couple right off the top of my head. That's like if you would be coached by us, if you would put in the work needed. I mean, mm-hmm. some of these people could be some of the best lifters in the country as far as like, you know, in the top 20, 30 in their weight class. But yeah, I think that's like my biggest thing is just lack of like, lack of seeking knowledge, lack of doing the work needed and not just showing up to the gym and going home and eating a little bit of beef and rice isn't showing up like that's not what you need to do Mm -hmm. it goes so much further than that you know if you want to get to that higher level and you want to get there quicker you got to buy into it all um i think on top of that it's just like understand where where the fuck you're at like respect the level you know like you got people in here that are you know like i said top 50 top 40 top 10 in their weight class in the world mm-hmm. we're not talking like we're one of the strongest people in our little canton ohio no like you know you got some of the strongest people in the state in the country in the world walking through this gym like i almost want to get know, like a wall street as, ticker for ranking yeah and just so like people can constantly see like where the names are that come through the gym because yeah. you hear things like that and you're impressed. I think that it would be easy for people who don't have context understanding yeah. to be impressed for a second. We're like, wow, that's really impressive. Mm. Like, did you just hear what they said? Mm. Like top 10 well, in the world? Yeah. Like it's not they just don't, impressive. They, yeah. It's like they just don't understand it. I mean, you got a couple, uh, there's a few of us that are ranked inside the top 1% to ever power lift, to mm-hmm. ever power lift top 1% of all competitors. You might be doing something right. So there's something going on there, right? <laughs> And I've had a conversation with a a person or two in the gym and I've told them like, Hey, like watch how these people train, especially when they were going through preps and I was like, just 
when they're in the gym, just watch them and you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. If you want to get better, that's how you need to be, mm-hmm. you know, and just the focus and the drive and all that stuff. It, it is one of those things. I think people don't get it. Cause if you go into like some other gyms and other places and things, you know, I go out there and I pull a 700 pound deadlift, you know, Lindsay always watches my lifts. Maybe one or two other people might like, it's usually a gen pop person Yeah. or Dan will walk over and watch in other gyms. Like 700 pounds is getting ripped. Everyone's watching, but you know what I mean? It's a community thing and respect for like, fuck some weights about to go down. Mm-hmm. I think people just don't get like when people are lifting those sort of weights, what it took for that person to get there, yeah. you know? So it's just, it's kind of interesting to me. I, I think so many people are just so out of tune with the actual culture of lifting that, and it's fine. It's a hobby. You know, and for yeah. most people, it's it's a very very recreational hobby, but for the people that are bought in, trying to be the best they can be, mm-hmm. they're just at a whole different level. The habit that mm-hmm. I wish I saw, a proactive mindset. Mm-hmm. We have a very reactive mindset, and that's not unique to this gym. Yeah, but I've tried for quite a while now to put out more information to help people understand why they should be more proactive about it Mm -hmm. and the thing is that the older the athlete gets the more proactive they become and it happens every time that they're talking like actual age or train like training age like time and training or their actual age actual age okay yeah yeah actual age because there's something about that early 20s to like mid 20s where they you know, it's cliche to say that they think that they're invincible. Mm-hmm. I don't, maybe it's a financial situation or they have a difference in priorities yeah. as far as where they're going to put their money. But you hit a certain point, and maybe that's why it's more of an age thing where it's like you have the finances available and you have a, a bigger picture in mind on what you want to be able to do and how long you want to do it, that they start yeah. putting more time and energy and money towards the details of recovery and taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, I wish I had done this 10 years ago. Yeah, I wish you would have too. Yep. Imagine where you'd be. Well, you know who does that? The elite people, mm-hmm. the world-class athletes. You think any of these people, and that's what's funny, is these people will look up to whoever online that just made whatever team or made the Olympics or um, did this at a meet or whatever, and it's like you're looking up to them in shock and awe when you're able to do the same shit, they just did the work that it took to get there. And I promise you every one of them, every one of them, there's not an elite athlete in this world that doesn't focus on recovery. That doesn't, uh, really focus on like their nutrition or mm-hmm. whatever. There's some that are there and I, I don't know how, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, you know, again, outliers, like they can eat a little fucked up. They don't, completely focus on all the recovery things, Mm -hmm. but they still do enough to, to be at that point. And then once they fine tune it, it's like, then they really show their potential. Mm -hmm. But I mean, sure. Some people are sponsored by like, you know, some people get those fucking reboots. They get them just sent to them because they're sponsored, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And they just have to post, you know, once in a while using them, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, sorry, we're not on that level, but, um, Maybe someday we'll get that sponsorship. Yeah, I need more followers. Yep. Everyone, tell everyone to follow me so we can get some shit for the gym. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah. 
I wish that, and I'm working on it, but I wish that there were a better way to quantify how well recovery is working. Because for the most part, it just came down to saying, oh, you're not injured. Mm -hmm. And you don't know if the person was going to be injured or not during the training. So you don't have a control group to compare that to. Yeah. But the past couple of times that I've done recovery programming, like it is crazy how I can say like, you're going to feel terrible this week. Yeah. And sure as shit, they come back and like, man, I could barely move a deadlift. It's like, yeah, like you can see where that's at. Yeah. And then you can show them like this week as you're going through your fluctuation, like yeah. this is going to be a good day to lift. And lo and fucking behold, yeah. they hit the numbers that they needed to qualify for nationals. I think, um, I think it's one of those things that like, maybe it is just comes with age. Like, when you've added in that stuff and done everything mm -hmm. and you see the the benefits from it, I think that's when, I think maybe when you're younger, like they're just second guessing because they recover a lot quicker and because they just feel better in general. I think they start to question like, ah, oh, do I really need it because I'm already, you know, I'm recovered 85, 90% of the way. Like, is it worth doing this extra 10% or whatever. Someone who's been around knows it's fucking worth doing that extra oh, yeah. 10%. But if you haven't been around, you don't know. Like right. you don't know until you actually get that work done on a consistent basis. And then when you go without it. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying with the toe spreaders, like yeah. something little like that. Yeah. You do it for a while. You start to get better feedback. It's a, a small thing. Yeah. But then you go a little while without doing it. And it's like, holy yeah. crap, that's how much of a difference well, it makes. A lot of people don't get like, man... <laughs> I, this is no bullshit because I used to think the same fucking thing that a lot of these young, these young people think is like, I'm just going to feel this way forever. And like, I can't imagine like, you know, I used to look at like, well, these pro athletes are old as shit and they're still in the NFL and like, mm -hmm. that's going to be me or like, you know, when I was in spec uh, going into spec war, it's like, dude, <laughs> fucking new guys that were seals still. And they're like, they're fucking 40 years old, you know, mm -hmm. late thirties. I'm like, they can do it. I can do it. I'm getting, you know, but people will tell you, Oh, wait till you get in your thirties. Wait till you get in your yeah. late twenties. The shit change. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Motherfucker, you know, and then it happens. Mm -hmm. You know how many people are my age hitting the weights that I'm hitting? Not that many. Right. You know, it's like most people listening to this, by the time you get to my age, you won't even be competing. I mean, that's just honest. Like you won't even, oh, yeah. you won't be competing. You'll be telling people, yeah, I used to lift and I was pretty serious about it or whatever. And you'll probably go to the gym three times a week. If that, if mm -hmm. you even go to the gym, you know, it's just the cold, hard truth of it all. Not, not a lot of people last in this stuff. And the thing is, is like with me, I feel like I could go another five, six years, you know, whether mm -hmm. I could or couldn't, who knows, but I feel like I could keep going and I know what it takes to keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. My body's probably gonna tell me "fuck you," um, <laughs> and it ain't gonna happen. So, you know, for me, like I know, like now, at the point I'm at, there's some some things I need to take care of on my health side. But if I wanted to go another five years, mm -hmm. I know what it takes to be there. I yeah. know what I'm gonna need to do on recovery, nutrition, sleep. I know this, the the priorities that need to happen to keep going. Mm -hmm. So, um, but some people haven't even. They will never, I'm not even saying they'll never get to that point where they know the priority needed to reach that next level. Like they won't, they'll quit before they get to that point where they're like bought in a hundred percent dialed in yeah. and they know like what it's like to, 
have a little bit of nutrition off track or a little bit of sleep off track or just yeah. a little bit of recovery off track and it and it put a bigger damper on your training than it used to. Okay, so, so. I'll retract a little bit because when you ask, is it training age or is it age? It's the ones where it's the combination of the two. Mm-hmm. So if you have someone who starts at 18 and they're going for seven years, they're 25, they're still probably too young to know how much they need to prioritize recovery. Yeah. Even though they go over seven years. You have someone start at 25, go seven years to 32. That's a very different mindset. So they've got yeah. the combination of you know, training age as well as overall age where they start to notice that, yes, things are changing. You have yeah. to adjust your training and recovery accordingly. Those are the ones that really buy in. But at the same time, like, you know, we'll have people who late thirties are still trying to train. They've been doing it for a couple of years. <clears throat> they don't buy into recovery. Nope. They really don't do too much more than say that, you know, they're sore and they'll take yeah. a couple of rest days. When you, when you start to get to that point, you know, and I can't put a certain total out there for any of the sports because, Everyone's in different weight classes, but I would say like once you're on that cusp of like reaching like an international elite level, um, getting through elite, like coming into like international elite status or, you know, for these weightlifters, like I guess a national level, a session, national level, you know, you're getting to that point. Mm -hmm. That I think is when the light bulb kind of goes off yeah. of everything. Yeah. Everything needs to be on point and I can't fuck up or else I'm backtracking. Cause when you get, I mean, take me like, okay, I've, it's my deadlift 716. Right. And I've had the strength and lifted more off the ground than that. I know for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. There's days where things weren't right. Sleep, nutrition, stress, mm-hmm. whatever. And I've came in and I've lifted, you know, 85% and it felt fucking terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, and when you get to those weights, you know, I'm thinking, uh, make sure I'm accurate with my math. Um, yeah. So that's like 608. And and that's kind of what I was thinking is like, I can remember a day not long ago where I came in to pull 600 and I was like, holy shit, that felt terrible, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like. That's just from a couple things being off, you know? So I always talk to you about like keeping on my food, keeping on my, you know, mm-hmm. try sleep, fuck. But like keeping on my food, keeping on this, keeping on that, like blah, blah, blah. It sounds, you know, you don't want to make excuses and I don't want to be like, oh my God, an hour threw my whole day off. You know what I mean? But it kind of can. Yeah. You miss a meal or two, you know what I mean? And you got to, let's say I was going to train tonight at you know, four or five o'clock or something. And here it is, you know, 1220. And let's just say we decided to end the podcast and we bullshit in here for an hour. And then, you know, someone out there needs it before I know it's like two 30 mm-hmm. shit. I got to train a couple hours. I haven't ate in how many hours, right? You know, that will affect your training greatly. Yeah. When you're you gen know. pop, you're probably not going to notice it. Yeah. You're you not going to notice those numbers yeah. in mind. Yeah. But when you're one of the athletes who has, a specific number and you're at that higher level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big difference. Yep. I wish that kind of combining what you said and what I've said is that the younger athletes just fucking ask questions. Just mm-hmm. ask questions. Like at this point, you, you have no excuse to say that you don't know that you need nutrition mm-hmm. or you need sleep 
or that you need recovery. Mm-hmm. You know that you do, right? Well, uh, before you go too far, go when you ask a question, you're asking a question to get an answer and a knowledgeable answer. Don't try to argue, rebuttal. Like that is the most <laughs> fucking annoying thing when someone like we have years of experience and I'll have some person that took one exercise science class that will be like, well, what about this, this, like, you're not even talking about the same subject that I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's okay to ask like a follow-up question. And, and that's not to say that we know everything. Yeah. It's not to say that yeah. we have like every single, cause there's always information coming yeah, out. There's always to keep something, up on. but yeah. But the rebuttal aspect is really disrespectful versus saying, oh, is that the same as blank? Yeah. And then you'd be able to explain, well, it's a little different because of this. Yeah. So now you have an opportunity to continue to learn. Yeah. Not just tell somebody that they're wrong, even though they have 15 years of experience more than you. (laughs) Because in that way, if you ask a question, now you've given me an opportunity to learn as well. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it is related and I didn't think of that. And I want to go learn about that part. Yeah. But- just, yeah, or it's like sometimes there'll be something like we have some exercise science ish students in here, and like they'll ask a question. I'm like, well, you know, professor said this, or we learned about this. And it's like, well, hold on, let me go back to 12 years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember that class. I no, actually, I fucking don't. Like, I have a PowerPoint somewhere <laughs> saved on that. Yeah, you know, it's like it's the same as like if someone asked you and you're. You know, you, you haven't even thought about like algebra since you were in whatever high school Yeah, and someone asks you, like writes down like this, this formula and you're just like, fuck, uh, I don't remember ever seeing that. And you, you did see it, mm-hmm. but it's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It kind of do that. <laughs> yeah. Kind of the same thing. Like if you don't use it, you're going to kind of forget it in a way. And like a lot of the stuff that people learn in those courses we don't necessarily use that in day to day. Like you don't directly, yeah. Directly. Like you're not you're yeah. not it's the same as like go ask a doctor some shit. And that's why sometimes they're like, Wait, what? Like you're like you. uh yeah, I don't know. And it's like maybe some basic like not basic, but it might be something you learned in biology and like they're mm-hmm. like, Motherfucker like I don't fucking remember that. I let me look it up. They look stuff up all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They all have the a, time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's the same as anything else. Like you're going to, you're not going to remember every little thing. So I don't mind telling people I used to, I don't mind anymore telling someone, oh, I don't know. Hmm. I'll go find out. Yeah. I mean, I like learning things, but yeah. when it's presented as a challenge, as opposed to a question. Yeah. I don't want to go look up anything for you. Yeah. If I, yeah, if I legit don't remember something, I'll be like, oh, let me, well, let me look at that again. I haven't. It's been a while. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But yeah, if it's like a challenge question to my knowledge, I'm just going to shut down and be like, you're not worth my fucking time. And yeah, I'm not sure. And there's like, leave it at that. Yeah. But there isn't an athlete in here and I'll leave it at the athlete. It's all, it covers most of the gen pop too, but we'll Mm -hmm. leave it at athletes that doesn't realize that they need help with nutrition, recovery, Mm -hmm. you know, sleep, all that. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they can afford all of that. Mm. So this is to anyone who is an athlete in general or an athlete here, go ask a question on how can you help me with blank? Mm-hmm. Like, can you help me with nutrition? And if I come to you as an athlete, and let's say I'm in the 18 to 23 range, mm. I'm still an undergrad. I don't have a job that really would give me a lot of expendable yeah. income. 
or I say that it doesn't give me a lot of expendable income. And I say, can you help me with nutrition? You say, yes, here's my price. I say, I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Don't end the conversation there. Don't yeah. just like walk away from the nutritional coach or the strength coach and say, all right, what can I do? Yeah. Because maybe well, one of the other coaches is yeah. a little bit cheaper, but they're there's, still good. Yeah. There's always like, you know, another coach that might be a little bit more affordable in here. Um, but then also you can't, can't scrounge up a couple bucks. I mean, realistically, that's what it is. Like get on nutrition for two or three months and at least start to learn something, right. start to understand a little bit more. You have access to that coach for a few months. So it's like, you're able to learn, mm-hmm. you know, and start to piece things together. I've had people that have been on nutrition for years and I've had people that, you know, do it for a year or so kind of understand a little bit and they, they take over the reins for a while and sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't, mm-hmm. and, but they learned. So, um, a lot of people can afford it. They just, it's priority. Yeah. I, I've seen that a lot too. I just don't so. like to see when they know enough to ask how much does it cost or can I do yeah. this? And that's just the end of the conversation. Yeah. Well, like, this happened a lot lately because I've been getting a lot of nutrition inquiries with a couple people like it's just, it's what you said. Like they'll hear the price and they shut off. Like, but they told me like their life story before that, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, so you one wasted my time and you know, that's why, that's why when people like reach out, like I I'm short with them. Cause I've seen it so many times where they'll tell you like literally their life story, what's going on with their nutrition, all this stuff. Then you finally get down to like price, sign up all that and they don't do it. So I don't waste my time really. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit shorter with them. But you look at the people that do that, they're looking almost for like that instant gratification. They're looking for cheap. They're looking for, I want to change, but I don't want to change because I don't want to pay for it. You know? So they're, if you look at a lot of them that are, a lot of times they're out of shape, you know, a lot of times you can tell that they're not on good nutrition, Mm -hmm. you know, or like one guy sent me his nutrition. It was fucking terrible, but he not willing to pay the price. So I can't help you. Right. You know, and it's like, I could see right away what was wrong. Mm-hmm. All he had to do is probably work with me for like a month or two, could have fixed it. And if it was too expensive, then, you know, after a month or two, he would have kind of known at least how to run things the a little clear bit fucking errors he had. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, speaking of nutrition, I need to eat. So sounds good. We'll wrap it up there. We'll get to, so I, there's a couple more questions we'll get to the next time. So announcements. Um, you know, Dan's seminars next weekend. I think they're still, you know, able to get signed up if you need to get your use saw. Um, level one coaching. Level one. Yep. So you can start coaching weightlifters. That's here at Unrivaled Strength. Yep. And then uh, he's got another one at some point in Pittsburgh. It's on our social media. So if you're over that way, meet registration. Yeah, meets Kentucky opens still got a couple. And the throwdown in October still got plenty of spots left. So get signed up for those. I would expect, I would expect that they're both going to sell out. That opens really close. I have to actually check, but, um, that one's definitely going to sell out in the next week or two, probably. So oh, you got your meat t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. If you go, um, I think Jordan's, ha- you know, handling those. So if you go to his, uh, bad dad barbell or, uh, at dad bod two twenty, um, they're kind of handling pre-orders on, on meat shirts, just something kind of fun that mm-hmm. uh, they decided to kind of come up with. 
cool design and stuff. And then those shirts will be available at the meets themselves. Um, I think we're doing like one pre-order on them, but then after that, they'll only be available ever at the meets. Okay. So just something kind of fun to support what we're doing. So, all right. Yeah, that's pretty much it for today. Have a good one.